I'd like to take just a moment with the children who are here and those who might be worshiping at home, if you want to move a little closer to your screens. What I'm going to get you to do is come around this way and come over through here to meet me up here. Can you see where we go? It's like the wise men took a long journey. You guys can take a long journey and join me here. Oh, it's so good to see you. Look at all these wonderful faces. And all of those joining us online, let's take a minute and wave and say Merry Christmas to everybody who's joining us over live stream too this morning. Merry Christmas, yes. You might have heard me say at the beginning of the service that it's still Christmas. Christmas lasts for 12 days. It's the Christmas season. It goes all the way to January 6th, which is Thursday of this week. And today we are remembering the visit of the Magi to Jesus. Now, some of you may have been here on Christmas Eve and dressed as one of the wise men with the crown and all of that. Well, today we get to hear their story. And I think one of the reasons we give presents to each other at Christmas time is because of the Magi, the wise ones. Did any of you get a present for Christmas? <gasps> yeah, I did too. Were any of you able to give a present? Yeah. When my children were your age, they would maybe draw me a picture or give me a hug or give me a treat that maybe they'd gotten at school and they would share it with me. There are all sorts of ways that we can give gifts and share with each other. And we hear the story of the wise men. They came to visit Jesus and they were so filled with joy that they shared gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They shared gifts because of the joy they felt in their heart. And at Christmas, that's what it's all about. We are so blessed to have Jesus, that God loves us so much that God became one of us in Jesus. And that makes us want to share that love with other people and give gifts and give what we can to share love. So I hope that you had the joy this Christmas of receiving gifts and giving gifts. And it's all part of God's story. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we're grateful for the gifts that we receive and the gifts that we're able to give. May it always be because we are joyful. May it always be because we love you and we want to share your love with other people. Thank you for these wise ones who went to visit Jesus and shared what they had to show their love. May we do the same, not just at Christmas, but all year long. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you all for listening. It's great to see you. And if you go out this way, and if you're three years old, four years old, or five years old, there's Pastor Maggie there. You can go with her to Children's Chapel. Otherwise, you can return to your seats. There's so much about this story of the Magi that is accessible and fun for children. The long journey that they take, the, the fact that they, they were from a different land and their, um, the way that they dressed and imagining what their costumes must have looked like, 
the fact that there's a star that leads them where they're going, the joy that they feel when they find the Christ child and the giving of their gifts, the opening of their treasure chests. What child doesn't like hearing about treasure chests? So much about this story is fun to tell and explain to children. But as we read the account in Matthew's gospel, it's almost as if there are two different stories. There's the one that's joyful and celebratory and accessible to children. And then there's the other side of the story where there's fear and violence and the paranoia of a tyrant. This is a story that begins with the Holy Family living in Bethlehem. They're, they're now in a house, no longer in a manger. They're in a house and they're visited by these visitors from a land far away who recognize their son as the Messiah and the son of God. But by the end of the story, this family are refugees fleeing their homeland to go to Egypt because a tyrant wants to kill them. They're fleeing violence and hatred and oppression. A few years ago, when there was much more in the news about the refugees coming out of Syria, although it's still happening, it's not quite in the news as much, and the flood of, of refugees and immigrants flowing out of Syria and other places, there was, there was a Christian leader who at the time said, well, you know, immigration is not a biblical issue. And I, I struggled with that. I'm not sure what he meant by that, but, but as I read the scriptures, I see it over and over again. The story of God's people is the story of, of migrants, of refugees, of people who are displaced from their homes. Abraham, the, the father of, of Israel, was called by God to leave his homeland and, and go to a new place he'd never been before. He was a nomad and a wanderer. Jacob, his grandson, who had all of his children and grandchildren living there in the promised land, had to flee because of famine and poverty, and they fled to Egypt. 400 years later, after the Israelites had grown into a large tribe, they fled from the violence and enslavement and oppression of Egypt to find their homeland. Once again, God's people on the move. Even the little story of Ruth tells us about a woman who was uh, left her homeland because of famine, because of poverty, because all of the men in her family had died, to go with her mother-in-law to a land that was not her own and live as an immigrant in Israel. And then we have Jesus, the Son of God, Born into this world and within his early months or years, he is forced because of violence and oppression to flee to a land that is not his own. We have two accounts of the birth of Jesus, one in Luke's gospel and one in Matthew's gospel. And in both cases, we find Jesus born into a place that is not his home. In Luke's gospel, Mary and Joseph are wandering the streets of Bethlehem to being turned away again and again while she is in labor. They are forced to be in Bethlehem by the edict of the emperor way far away in Rome. 
displaced from their home in Nazareth. And then here in Matthew's gospel, we have this holy family threatened by the hatred and jealousy of Herod, having to leave not only their hometown, but their homeland and go to Egypt until the death of Herod. So what does this tell us about who God is and how God chooses to appear in our world in the birth of Christ? What do we have to learn from this story? Where are we in this story? Now, I'm really missing my Tuesday morning Bible study. We didn't have it this week. And normally that would be a question I would ask that group. Where do you see yourselves in this story? How, how do we hear God's invitation to us in this story? So for this morning, you'll just have to get my musings on this. But I hope you'll ponder it and pray about it for yourself. What does this mean about God? And what does this mean about my relationship with God and others? When I look for guidance in this story, I, I struggle because I've never been a refugee. I've, I've never been displaced from my home for any reason. I've lived in a place of security and relative comfort all of my life. So perhaps where I might find some guidance in this story is looking at those magi. These are folks who weren't kings, and we don't know that there were three of them, by the way. But they were those who had studied the stars. They had studied the holy writings of the Jewish people, enough to know that there was a Messiah that was going to be born. They educated themselves about what God was up to in the world and where might God might show up. And I hear in that an invitation to, to educate myself about what's happening in the world about the most vulnerable in our world, about refugees, and about those who are struggling with homelessness. In preparation for this sermon, I spent a little time on the internet looking at the United Nations High Commission on Refugees. I had no idea there were 84 million people across the globe who are displaced from their homes because of violence and conflict. In some cases, they're displaced within the boundaries of their own nations, but in many cases, like Syria and Venezuela and Afghanistan, they're fleeing across international borders. And as I thought about those 84 million people and the 30% of them that are 17 years and younger, I began to wonder, what, what can I do? What does God ask of me? I look at the wise men, the wise ones. We don't know that they were all men either. And I see that they are able to recognize the Christ child in circumstances that they weren't expecting. They went to Herod's palace first, maybe expecting that's where the Messiah would be born. But instead, they find Jesus in a humble home in Bethlehem to two peasant parents. And it says, when they saw the child, they were overwhelmed with joy. They recognized him. Even though he was one of the, of the lowest of the low in that time in society. So that's an invitation to be able to see Christ in others. When I watch the news and I see refugees flowing out of Syria when I hear stories about those living in homelessness or those driven from their homes by domestic violence or whatever it may be, 
not to see a problem that needs to be solved or a threat to my own security, but to see fellow human beings who bear within them the image of God. The wise men, the wise ones, help me open my eyes to see. So they educate themselves, they open their eyes and hearts to see Christ in the form that he has presented to them, and then they open their treasure chests. They give what they can to this child out of joy and love. And so to me, I hear an invitation to do what I can to help, to care, to make uh, life better for those who are the most vulnerable in our world. Now, if you've been hearing me preach over the past couple of months, you know that one of my themes right now is to, to pray about and discern what is mine to do. We cannot solve everything. We can't help every person in need. We can't solve the global refugee crisis. But through prayer and discernment, we can learn what is my part to play. What can I do? Whether it's prayer or giving money or volunteer time or offering support in other ways. I'm grateful to have a really good friend from high school, one of my bridesmaids actually, who lives in the Chicago area. And she and her husband have started a nonprofit that helps initially Syrian refugees and now Afghani refugees, students, with tutoring, with after school support, um, with cultural awareness. And so I'm able to give to their nonprofit, and it helps me stay plugged in and to hear the stories of the folks that they're seeing and the triumphs and the joys and the resilience. And it's inspiring. And it's a little something, but it helps me to participate in some of the work that God is doing to help these the most vulnerable in our world. We have these wise ones, and this is their story too. We see God appearing in the form of a small child and a refugee family, and we see God appearing in these wise ones with their education and their resources and their ability to see what God is doing in their world in that moment. And we can see now that we are all, whoever we are, part of God's great story. Not a one of us is left out. And so the invitation now is to open our eyes and open our hearts and ask God to help us see what God is doing in our world and to guide us in how we can participate in that great story. Thanks be to God.